welcome to another episode of Crack On, the podcast dedicated to times in our lives where we had to find the crack in cracking on. This week sees the arrival of the first Crack On sports person with international Irish rugby star Ian Madigan. Ian has already had such a colourful career and in our chat he shares a whole range of invaluable lessons and strategies that he uses both on and off the pitch. From overcoming failure to conquering nerves and visualisation. He's also just great crack. I hope you all enjoy. So, welcome to the podcast, Ian Madigan. Thank you for joining me. Thanks many for having me on. Very excited. I'm excited. So, um, as you know, you know, the concept of the podcast is... Just talking about times in our life where we, you know, things weren't going our way, we had to overcome a hurdle or a hardship and finding the silver lining or as I like to call it, finding the crack in cracking on. Um, so I'm really excited to hear what your examples are because I feel like you've had, you have such an amazing career and have had to move around a lot. Uh, not that you have to talk about your career at all, you can talk about anything you want, but yeah, so what uh, what are you thinking of sharing with us today? Yeah, well, I, I suppose even starting with my time in school, um, I was, you know, I was very lucky. Went to St. Bridget's National School, then moved to Black Rock and got immersed in rugby there and um, had great success. You know, we won a junior cup, which is kind of under 15s competition. And then I was lucky enough to play on the senior team when I was uh, 15. And I was thinking, oh, this is so easy. You know, everyone was going swimmingly. And then, unfortunately, when I was in fifth year at the start of the year, I burst my appendix. Um, and at the time, it was, you know, I didn't think it was overly serious. Obviously, I was, you know, quite sick. But I thought, look, I'll be able to turn this around in a couple of weeks. I'll be back. But unfortunately, it ended up being an illness that lasted probably three, four months. And I wasn't right, really, for about a year afterwards. Um wow which meant I missed a lot of school. You know, I missed the rugby season, which was, you know, my be all and end all at the time. It really um, is when you're that age. I mean, obviously it's your career now as well, but it's like, I feel like for any British listeners to the podcast, the Irish rugby school scene is just huge. It's so intense and it's kind of you what you you live and breathe, you know? Yeah, very much so. It's the, the focus of your well, it was the focus of my time in school anyway, you know, it would revolve around doing your gym work before you went to school. You'd have a training session, sometimes at lunchtime, another training session after school. Um, And it would have been, you know, a large part of what we would have talked about. And it was, it was great fun. Like it was, you know, a very fun, fun time in school. So when it was taken away from me when I was in fifth year, it was the first time, you know, in my life that I'd had health issues uh, that I didn't really feel connected with my school friends because I wasn't being able to train and play with them. Um, and then it was taken away from me to, to be able to play in the competition, which was obviously tough watching on, having played the, the previous year. So that was kind of my first setback. But I look back on that and I go, ah, that was probably a great thing to happen to me because, you know, as cringy as it sounds, I, I don't take my health for granted now, which was something that I would have done up till then. And I think it's something that so many people out there do take for granted. Um, you know, so not being able to, you know, not walking around in pain. I was suddenly, when when it did subside, I, I've never been so happy to be able to train, you know, as hard as I wanted to not have any issues. And um, that's definitely something that, that really stood to me. 
Wow. So it, you said it lasted three to four months. How long of that were you, you know, kind of bed bound and not even able to do physical exercise? Yeah. So I was, I was out of school for pretty much two months straight. And then I was in and out of school for that year. Like I, I barely completed a full week. Um, so it was, it, it was tough. And I, like my weight, I was like 13 stone and I'd done loads of gym work in the lead up to it. Um, and then I dropped to like, you know, 10 and a half stone. So it was a big weight loss, you know, and, you know, seeing all the hard work that I would have done in the, in the kind of the, the, the summer months lifting weights and, um, it was like that was all taken away from you. But again, it was, you know, look, it was character building stuff. Yeah. Um, but that was probably my first setback. And then I got back playing and in my final year in school, got back into the team. And unfortunately, I missed a kick in the last minute to get us through to the semi final, which, you know, you, you think on the bigger picture, it's only, you know, an under 18s boys competition. You've missed a kick. It's not the end of the world. But at the time, you're playing with, you're playing with your best friends. You've, You've been in school in some cases for 14 years together. You know, you would have always gone to the games and, and supported them. And it was a big part of what was going on and, and your school life. And to be the, the person who prevented your team, you know, getting to the next round, it was a tough one to to live with. And I, at the time, I definitely felt, geez, you know, maybe rugby's not for me. I'd had a tough year in, in my second last year in school. Then I'd missed the kick. I was thinking, look, Maybe I should be looking at at different avenues, but I was lucky. I was my friends were very supportive of me at the time, and they were like, "Look, don't let this set you back," you know. Um, and I was lucky then. I was given an opportunity when I left school to get into the the Leinster sub academy and academy, and um, you know the the experience of missing that kick definitely stood to me because you know I never wanted to have that feeling again. Now, while I have you know missed kicks and missed plenty of them. Um, dealing with that miss and, and, and the, the tough times that, that came with that definitely stood to me throughout my career. Wow. Okay. That is like incredible. What is it? I mean, yeah, obviously you say like, surely it wasn't your fault that you missed the kick. I know. Like, I don't know. Was it like, <laughs> how do you feel like you're, you know, like going forward in your rugby career, how did you feel? Okay. I'm never going to let that happen again. Like, what is it psychologically that you can, tell yourself that's going to make sure that that's not going to happen again. Yeah. Well, that was a big feeling. Yeah. That was a big part of it. Obviously like there's the technical aspects of, of kicking, kicking a ball. Um, and you're going to work on that in training, but the big area of growth that I would have had would have been on the, the more psychological side of things. Um, and I was lucky through my time in Leinster, I I spent a lot of time working with Andy McNulty, who's a sports psychologist and he helped me with, with everything, from you know performance anxiety in the lead up to games to you know dealing with mistakes in a game um with my position on the pitch i do a lot of kind of closed skill work where you're basically executing a skill on its own that doesn't involve the team so whether it's kicking the ball to touch um going for a penalty kick a goal executing a pass um you know they're I, I'm lucky that I have, you know, I could have a hundred involvements in a game, and obviously with it that within that, there's going to be plenty of mistakes. So for me, it's about being able to deal with those mistakes and not carrying them with me throughout a game. Um, so I, I suppose Enda would have provided me with a lot of tools, you know, both with performance anxiety, with you know, centering myself before executing a, you know, a key task, and then as well, you know, all the stuff that would have come with professional sports. You know, there's a lot of coverage in the press and the TV 
um, we would have worked on, you know, not getting carried away with yourself when things are going really well. Um, and then not getting too down when, when things are going poorly and you might have had a string of, of poor games or been dealing with, with injuries. So, um, you know, that having the knowledge that he taught me in, in my time after, after school, I think if I had it during my time in sixth year, maybe that kick would have gone over. But look, that's, that's what life's all about. Yeah, like with school rugby, it is almost as intense as professional rugby. Was there support in school? You know, like obviously it's amazing you had these people that were able to you know, it'd be like a psychological aid. Was there anything like that in school? Or because you're also like what I find so crazy about um, the rugby scene in, in, well, in Dublin anyway, is that, you know, it, it just becomes your whole life that a lot of the time we're also expected to be studying in those years as well. Was, surely that like took its toll on you or were you able then, if you had that break, were you then like, okay, actually, I have a bit of time to like focus on my leaving cert, or or was that just not even an option? <laughs> yeah, no, like there 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 was good structures put in place, and you know, while there wouldn't have been resident sports psychologists in in Black Rock, there would have been a you know support system, and it, you know, teachers would have kept an eye on you know if someone was struggling. But I think it's it, your 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 friendship group would have been the big. Um, I suppose the big area where I would have leaned on, you know, and, and they're great for spotting. Look, this guy's going through a tough patch. Maybe someone in his family's ill or he's dealing with an injury or he's struggling with his exams. Um, and I suppose it's about friends getting around. I think we can get caught up now on what, you know, what help is out there. You know, the, the, quite often I think the help is right in front of you in, in your, your family and friends and, and, and them being able to, to, to step in and help. But I think for, for me, like there was great structures in BlackRock. Like we had, you know, study times from 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. But I look back on those days and like they were the longest days of my life. Like you used to go into school at half seven, do your gym work, then do a full day of school, do your rugby training and then study for three hours to be picked up at a quarter past nine to get up and do it all again, you know, five days in a row. Like you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing those days in the toughest job in the world. So um, I definitely did, you know, I remember I certainly spent a fair bit of time sleeping in that study from six till nine. Um, yeah. but, but I, was I mean, there. I did the same, but I wasn't playing sports. So. Yeah, I was there. I checked in, but I wasn't doing a whole lot of work. Um, but no, like BlackRock was great in the sense that they, they, they very much guide people who they think can be professional athletes and that they show them the pathway that, that you can go down and they'll, they'll connect you with professional athletes that have trodden the path before you. And um, they were great with that, but they're very much an educational school and, and education comes first there. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll hold you back on the rugby if you're not, if you're not hitting your scores in, in your exams and, um, or if you're acting the maggot in classes and stuff, you know, the, 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 if they'll come down harder on the rugby guys and, and, and that's the way it should be because, you know, quite often they're viewed as, as leaders within the year. And, you know, that's, that's something that that's nice and, and that, that we were very aware of when we were in school. Mm. Yeah. 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 And when like, it's so funny, this is just bringing back so many memories from school. <laughs> I mean, also one of them is like, just, we like, when growing up, we would often like, you know, pre-drink with the with the Black Rock boys. <laughs> and I always remember being really annoyed when the rugby guys would come because they were never drinking. And I was like, guys, that'd be so boring. And now I look at that being like, 
wow that is like insane dedication at such a young age to be like you know what like we're not drinking tonight like we've got a big game or whatever yeah, like it's yeah, amazing yeah. and you're so young I just like can't wrap my head around it you know yeah no like the, you you learn I, I think from sport as a whole you learn great discipline that you can carry through into other areas of your life and being taught that you know at the age of 13 or 15 in school is definitely something that that's that stood to me and has stood to a lot of my friends who aren't playing rugby now but you know the hard training we would have done or the team culture we would have experienced is something that they can bring into their workplace and you know i think mm-hmm. that's something we're you know we're seeing more and more of now kind of how um sport or professional sport can transcend into business and you know that's um something that i was definitely thought of at an early age in school and enjoyed yeah and um, were you you know okay there was pressure in the matches in school is it the same well obviously it's not the same level of pressure but do you feel you've gotten on top of those kind of nerves and anxiety before matches or is it just the same level of like okay I, I care about this regardless of what kind of match I'm playing yeah the, the, the pressure I experienced in school was probably more than what I exper- experienced playing uh, professionally but wow. I think the way you the way I've learned those tools, so like, you know, when I feel the nerves coming on in the lead up to a game, you know, centering myself, focusing on my breath, you know, doing mindfulness, um, doing meditation. I do a lot of visualization where I'd literally visualize myself playing within a game, going through the plays, going through my kicking. Um, so then when it actually gets to the games, it, it feels like I've already been there. It's like deja vu and you're just looking to repeat it. So, oh my god that's so, so cool yeah so there's there's tools like that that you know very much help your help your nerves and and like anything i think the, the more you do something you know it becomes second nature and the more relaxed you get and that kind of quells your nerves but dealing with nerves would have been a, a big part of um my career you know i've i've, I've come to really enjoy it though like it, it, that there have been professional games that i haven't felt nervous beforehand and that's for me that's not a good place to be it's kind of an indication that maybe i don't care enough um maybe i haven't prepared well enough um and maybe i'm not you know being respectful enough of the game that i'm playing in and you know without doubt the the best games that i've played are you know quite often the ones i've been most nervous about in the lead up or or during yeah that's amazing I mean I relate to that with with performing and stand-up and everything I but I'm just like I don't know if I can do this forever and ever because I get so nervous before a gig that I'm like I can't do this to my body like I'll, I'll, one day I'm just gonna pass out like if I keep doing this you know but you're yeah. right it is because you care and like that is the adrenaline that gets you you know where you need to be but Big I love like- those yeah, nerves will spur, yeah, like they'll spur you on to to perform, you know, to your very best. Like that, yeah. they'll, they'll release the adrenaline. I don't know the, how the science works behind it, but yeah, uh, definitely for for people who do get nervous, like trying to trying to embrace it. Um, and then as well, like a big thing for me is is looking back. Um, so let's say looking back on a game that I was really nervous before, I'll look back on it and, and try and reassure myself and go, look, there was no need to be that nervous, you know, and and yeah. and kind of internally tell yourself how well you did like that those positive affirmations with yourself are really really important and that's not just with big game performances like i have big anxiety waking up on a monday morning going in for you know a bog standard training day with meetings 
I'll be waking up going, I don't think I'm going to be able to get through today. You know, on a you know a bad day when mm-hmm. the body's not feeling great and maybe the team's lost at the weekend and you're not, you know, you're not jumping out of your skin to get in there. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone has those feelings, regardless of what, you know, job you're in. Yeah. But, you know, 99% of the time, you're still going to get up out of bed and get into work and you're going to get through it and you're going to be absolutely fine. But at the end of that day, you know, looking back and, and telling yourself how well you did and and how easy you got through the day is really important because the next Monday that you wake up and you're feeling the exact same, you'll be able to reassure yourself that you're actually going to be able to get through it. And that's a big part of what I've had to do, you know, playing professional sport where, you know, every little detail is measured and being able to rely on the, the work that I've done previously and reassuring myself has been a big part of how I've been able to have a long career. Mm, wow that is amazing you have so many positive um I guess habits you know that you that like that's so amazing to hear and I love that you said that you visualize the the game I mean is that something you do before like do you get a few minutes before that you can just be like okay you know I'm gonna gather myself here or is it when you know when you say you focus on your breathing and mindfulness is that kind of the morning of like you don't necessarily before you go on have those moments to yourself or do you yeah like what i'd say is a lot of different players have different ways of doing it like some guys like writing down a lot some guys like watching the footage um you know physically of let's say training or previous games or watching opposition some guys like watching individual players that they're going to be coming up against and then there's other guys who like the, the visualization side and what I'd say on the visualization side there is a real skill to it it's not something that you can just pick up and be good at quite quickly and um, you've got to put the time in even just for me starting off I would have just done you know gone through the kind of basic plays or or you know just individual kicks and visualize myself being in the stadium maybe the wind conditions whether it's daytime or nighttime you know visual, visualizing the ball going through my technique and I would have gone over that, you know, loads and loads of times. And then I, I, I've tried to grow on top of that and, you know, trying to have moving parts, how I, I'm i predicting that the opposition team are going to defend against me, you know, how I predict they're going to attack against me and trying to visualize how certain guys sidestep. And it, it's it's over kind of five, 10 years that I, I feel I've got quite good at it. Um, but starting off, my visualization would have been so basic, you know, it would have... And I would have struggled with it, you know, and you've got to try and try and be creative in your mind and get the creative juices flowing. But um, I'd be I'd be quite planned out in my week. So I'd, I'd say to myself on a Sunday, right, I'm going to plan out my week and it would, it would have everything in it from what strength and conditioning I'm going to do, what kicking practice I'm going to do, whether I'm going to get in with the physio or the, the masseuse. But I'll also say, right, when I get home, um, I'm going to block out 20 minutes here where I'm going to lie down and and do a visualization of, of the plays that we're going to do, for example, um, or the defensive setup we're going to go with. And that, that really allows me at the end of a week, then if I'm getting really nervous in the lead up to a game, I can look back on the kind of body of work that I've completed. And I can say to myself, look, I've done great body work here. I'm ready to go. I'm well prepared. Um, and that's given me real confidence. And, and, you know, inevitably there's going to be games that don't go well, but at least for me, I can look back and, and go, well, look, I put in a great body of work there. I've been true to myself. In my opinion, I've been, you know, I've done everything I can to prepare well. 
and it hasn't gone well. But I can still look myself in the face and go, look, you've, you, you've given it a good go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing, isn't it? That like, because there's nothing worse than the feeling of being like, I could have done more. It's yeah. just horrible. They're, they're, that, that is without doubt the, the toughest, um, you know, after, you know, a bad presentation in work and you just, you go, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had those drinks last night or maybe I should have read up a bit more or I should have put a bit more work into the, into the presentation. I should have known who was going to be in the room when I was coming in. It, it's that feeling of not necessarily that the presentation itself didn't go well. It's It's that... Um, you didn't put the work in that you know you you should have and could have. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, and it takes time to, I think, realize. You know, you ha- I feel like you have to make that mistake a, f- a few times in order to like really put the work in and and just understand that like okay, this is worth actually taking the time, like you said. You know, mapping yeah. out your week. Exactly. Like we've all been in exams where you actually kind of walk out of the exam and go, I actually enjoyed that because I knew the answer to every question. Mm-hmm. I was I was well prepared. And then there's been exams when you've been in there and it's absolute torture because you just haven't done the work. Um and like playing rugby is no is no different. Like I quite often treat it like like it's a big presentation at the end of the week and I'm spending all week preparing for that presentation. That is like incredible oh my god it's such dedication I don't know how you do it it's amazing (laughs) Um, I want to just like conclude on your first example which was you know you had to take time out while you were in school how long did it take you know you got back obviously you know it was three to four months and then you got back into rugby um actually what I wanted to ask is I keep going back to your career because I'm just so intrigued but um what I really want to ask is you were having these thoughts of like maybe rugby isn't for me. What was it? Was it that, you know, doors started to open as you were leaving school or was there something that changed at all and you were like, actually, like I have to pursue a career in this? Yeah, it was probably a multiple of things. It was being encouraged by my friends and my family to to stick at it. Um, and, you know, even just being told that like failure is okay. And, you know, it's, it's about how you pick yourself up and, and go again. That's the kind of true measure of a man. It's not, you know, there's no one's going to be out there who just succeeds every time. And in a way there's, there's not much success in that because there's no challenges. It's, it's the guy who picks himself up after multiple failures. And, you know, when that was explained to me, it made me feel a lot better about, you know, the failure I'd had. And, um, <clears throat> then I it, it did, it did, definitely helped that there was opportunities there for me to to go into and you know immerse myself in and, and kind of forget about the past um with the the Leinster academies um and then as well I suppose just the way I, I was as a person like I just loved physical activity and for my own mental health I, I definitely need to exercise you know probably every day and um, to get those you know positive endorphins flowing through my body and, and doing that within a team environment was was the no, most natural thing for me so it was those kind of multiple things that that definitely spurred me on to continue with with um with rugby amazing well it's great that you did <laughs> <laughs> thank you um okay so i want to move on if you have a second example to share i mean that was an amazing one and i'm so glad that you were able to expand on that so much do you have a second example in life where you had to crack on yeah so um when i was playing with leinster i'd been playing multiple seasons you know broken into the first team and we were in the semi-final of europe 
and I unfortunately threw an intercept pass, which is basically when you pass the ball to the other team. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the, the team scored off it. It was in extra time. We would very little chance to get back and win the game. And unfortunately, the pass resulted, it resulted in us being knocked out, which was, you know, very tough um, as a team. You're, you're working towards the European Cup all season and it was, you know, a big opportunity for us to, to make another final. So again, it was, it, it felt like I had to go back to the drawing board. You know, I, I had a, a, a greater look at, you know, how I was preparing for games, how I was training, you know, why this happened to me, how I could prevent it happening again in the future. Um, and, you know, I, it wasn't like I had similar thoughts like I had in school. Like maybe I was thinking, look, rugby's not for me. It was very much, I had to find a way of, of how I could be better. Um, and that then led on to, you know, the, the following season, which was probably my best season for, for Leinster in Ireland, where I got to represent Ireland at the World Cup and, and, and you know, had some great memories from that. Yeah. I mean, so what was it? How do you, how do you go about reassessing yourself as a player? You know, what was the, so you say you went back to the drawing board. Obviously you have these amazing things that you do day in, day out to keep yourself focused. But how, you know, was this a time that you started to develop these um, these positive things that you do? Or what was it that you started to to change? Yeah, so like, the, like there was that moment when I threw the intercept and there was another moment when Ireland were playing against New Zealand and we were trying to beat them for the first time and I had an opportunity to make a tackle at the end of the game, which most likely would have resulted in us winning the game. Unfortunately, I missed the tackle. So like there was... There was that side of things, and then there was the um, the intercept pass, and both of them were similar but different in 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 how I I viewed it. Um, it was after the missed tackle. I remember talking to my brother, and and he was like, "Look, what's you know what's the story? What's going through your head?" And I, I said to him, "Yeah, look, I know all the I know all the def- defensive systems well. Um, you know, I don't know why that happened to me." And and he stopped me, and he's like, "Yeah, you've just you've you've hit the nail on the head there already. You've said you know them well, but like he knew from the way I was talking about it that I wasn't overly passionate about it, um, and he challenged me on that, and." <clears throat> From from then on, I was like, right, with the defensive stuff, I've got to be more passionate. I've got to be more switched on. I've got to really own it, um, and I've got to look to do more than what ju- what the defensive coach was asking of me. I've got to be able to, you know, invest um, in a similar way like I do with my attack. Like I'm very passionate about attacking. I love it. It's the more enjoyable side of things. And the reality was at the time, I didn't have that same passion when it came to defending. Now it wasn't that I was being um you know afraid or didn't want to put my body on the line um but I didn't share the same passion for the defensive stuff like I did the attacking and he he with that conversation he changed my mindset with that and that allowed that you know kind of allowed me then to kick on and and do more work from on the visualization side which I wouldn't have done um doing more work on the technical stuff you know doing individual tackling sessions um looking to get a bit stronger in the gym and even just being more switched on when we were doing our defensive meetings, a lot of the time I would have gone, oh, this is easy, I know that. But I did. I probably didn't know it well enough and I, did, I wasn't passionate enough about it. But off mm-hmm. the back of, you know, that tough experience, missing the tackle, kind of getting blamed for the loss, you know, that spurred me on to, to be more passionate about it. Um, 
Yeah, as awful as it is, like that pressure and people kind of somewhat putting blame on you, it can, it well, it, it really can make or break you. You know, like that could have really, it's awful because it's a it's a team sport like let's not blame anyone guys okay <laughs> but like it's so great that that had such a positive effect on you and and really was like a a turning point in your career you know yeah and that, that's the great thing with with professional sport and professional rugby like there's most likely there's going to be another game the following week that you know you're not going to be judged on one bad performance or one mistake you're going to get a chance to dust yourself off and and go again um and I suppose the flip side of that is when you're really good one week, you're expected to be really good the next. But that's um, that's the great thing with sport. You know, we've got winners and losers every week. Yeah. Well, like it's like with performing, they say that like if you want to read the good reviews, you have to take the bad ones as well, which I'm always like, no, I don't want to take the bad ones. <laughs> Just show me all the good reviews. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's like that's been a huge part of um of what I've kind of gone through in my career. So it's exactly that. Like, you know, when, when nice articles are being written, when you're playing well and you're making teams, um, you know, quite often they're, they're put in front of you. Like people will WhatsApp them onto you. Your mum will be telling you about this great article in the Irish times. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to immerse yourself in it and believe your own hype. But if you, if you want to go down that route and read all the good stuff, when the, you know, when the tide turns and the bad stuff is being written, it's nearly impossible to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so for me, it was very much not that I wouldn't read any of the good publicity, but I would say to myself, "Look, I'm not going to seek it, seek it out. I'm not going to be, um, you know, you know, immersing myself in it because if if I did, and inevitably then when it did turn, um, not that it ever got like particularly nasty for me, but." you know that that's that's how sport works they build you up to knock you down and i know um, well yeah the mob is fickle <laughs> yeah but like i've i've seen players who would would have been on supporter boards after games and you know i was lucky that some of the senior players kind of made me aware of this when i was a younger player coming through look this is not something you want to be doing you know you want to very much rely on you know fellow players people who you trust and get their opinion and rely on their opinion you know after good games and bad games um uh, you know don't be seeking what some reporter who knows very little about you about Mm -hmm. you or some supporter who's just trying to get a reaction off his friends by putting a tweet out um you know don't don't be immersing yourself in 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 that kind of negativity and we've seen that in the broader picture with you know the, the kind of reality tv shows we've seen and it's being widely reported on and it, it is a big challenge out there. Mm, yeah. I mean, like it's so much easier said than done to just ignore the tweet or the comments or whatever it is. I mean, is that a positive about the sport that you play is that there's, there's people that have done this before you that are always going to be able to offer advice like that. Like presumably you somewhat become a family with, with the rest of the team. Yeah, very much so. And, it's it's having people who you can you know rely on and talk to in in tough times it's fellow teammates you know and, and they'll have inevitably gone through uh something similar whereas if you're you know a golfer a tennis player a singer a presenter you, you know you you're on your own you, you might necessarily have that and that's where you need the people close to you to to kind of have their finger on the pulse and be able to step in and, and say look i need to I need to give this guy or this girl a phone call during the week. That was a mm. you know a tough performance at the weekend. I'm going to check in with him um, because that's something that we would have had you know in the in the team environment. 
That's amazing. Yeah. I know. I mean, I know that you've spoken about this before. Okay, so so I had my friend Jack Gleason on episode one, and he's a huge rugby fan, and, and I was, like, telling him that you're coming on the podcast. So I was like, okay, any questions? <laughs> but his question was, and he's in a rugby WhatsApp group. So he was like, oh, my God, like, they're all going to be so excited. But the one question <laughs> I got was, okay, I'm going to read it to you. Okay, so it said, like, what was the emotion behind the win in France in 2015 but I mean from my research it was that you saw your your parents is that is that the the real tea <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like it, there was probably there was a, a few things at play at the time so you know Johnny Sexton was was the starting out half of the time and you know in the lead up to the World Cup there was a lot written in the media about um you know if Johnny got injured Ireland will be scuppered and they won't go anywhere in the competition and you know the people backing them up aren't good enough and you know I was I was wearing that along with the other kind of backup out halves and, and took it very personally and um you know there was questions around whether I could control a game or not and all this kind of stuff so when when I came on in the French game and it went well I, I definitely felt look I've, I've proven people wrong here and and you know I was probably emotional about that um and then with with the the actual tears uh, themselves so quite often um at international games and even big provincial games you, you you don't actually get the opportunity to meet your parents after a match because you know you're you're carted back into the change room you might have media work to do quite often the supporters are actually asked to leave the stadium quite quickly um so there was a couple of games where i didn't get to see my parents you know they might have been catching a flight that evening going back to Ireland or or whatever it might be. So I said to them in the lead of the World Cup, I was like, here, let's not have this happen. You know, hopefully we'll have some good times and good memories and it'd be great to be able to see us after the game because I wouldn't have seen them for, you know, a month in the lead up to the competition and then we're, you know, in camp over there. So I said to my mum, look, bring a big, you know, big massive flag that I can spot you with. And so she, <laughs> so she had this big orange flag um, and... I, you know, we were doing a kind of lap after the game and, you know, thanking the supporters. And I looked up and saw the flag and the, the emotions just hit me. And, um, yeah, look, it was it was a special moment, you know, and it was obviously every Friday I've, I've got, I get sent gifts on Instagram and, and WhatsApp and, you know. And actually, I'm sorry that I even brought it up because I'm sure you get asked about it all the time. Yeah. But he, uh, he would have been upset had I not. Included yeah, in no, but look, <laughs> quite like five years on, um, you know, I look back on it and like what it is, you know, it is a bit embarrassing and stuff, but I, I look at it and just go, look, that's me. You know, what you see is what you get. That was the emotion at the time. And um, <clears throat> ironically, it's a, it's a very fond memory I have, so. Oh my God, I don't think it's embarrassing at all. I think it's so sweet. And the fact <laughs> that it was like, you saw this flag that your mom was holding, it's so cute. Um, I mean, those are such brilliant examples of cracking on. They are like, I just can't even relate to how huge they are. <laughs> Usually I try like share my own experience, but, um, but I'm just so grateful for you, you know, sharing all of that. And you've just, you're just brilliant. I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know how you guys do it, but at least I don't have to think of it. <laughs> um, so I want to move us on to our lightning round. If you don't have anything else you want to share in terms of cracking on. Yeah, no, let's move on. Cool. So the first question of the lightning round, I like to start with what is your idea of crack? 
So is it a night out, a night in? It can be anything. Yeah, I love love a night out. I love actually ho- uh, myself and Anna, my fiance. We love hosting. So you know, getting you know a couple of you know a couple of couples over, um, doing up a dinner, a few bottles of red wine, and you know, seeing where the where the night takes you. That's obviously something that we've become more accustomed to uh, in 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 the last few years when we were away in Bristol. Um, and you know hanging out with the other kind of international couples whether they're from australia or new zealand um that was a great way of getting to know them um and getting to know players outside of, of rugby um having a good barbecue and inviting over some of the players is another one uh looking that must be few- so fun like having all those couples that's just like such a fun side of it i never thought of that like you, yeah, you just but- have all these like gr- girlfriends that are now friends as well yeah, and like that's that's been one of the tough things for the for the partners this year. We they haven't been able to go to the games, and you know they very much live um, the the good times and the bad times of of professional sport. You know, and you know when we're injured or we're not playing well, it's it's tough on them. But for them to be able to have the enjoyment of going to the games and socializing with the other girls, having a few drinks, sharing different stories and sharing different problems that their partners are providing them with in a given <laughs> week, <laughs> it's like a counseling session for them. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, look, that's been really that's been really tough on them. But the the, the positive side of being able to do uh, you know a dinner and and getting to know the partner as well and and having a good night of it is is um, something I love and and uh, it, you know with within the rugby environment, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good that's a good night of crack. Yeah, um, a habit you can't crack. A habit I can't crack. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible for picking my feet on the couch. So my <laughs> my my toenails have taken a serious hammering over the years. I wear boots that are about a size too small for me and my toenails are they're hanging on by a thread. So I've a terrible oh ha- terrible habit of terrible habit in the evening of kicking off the shoes and the socks and and uh getting the digger out on my toenails and drives Anna up the wall because it's kind of like a little kind of cracking sound and oh it's terrible it's terrible and I haven't oh been able to God. crack it that's <laughs> probably disgusting. that's one of the things she needs the other like rugby wives to discuss. she's yeah. like this is what he's doing this week <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly oh that's so. so funny I mean it's not the worst like uh, you could be a smoker that could be worse yeah, <laughs> um okay oh first time you cracked on do you remember do you have a funny story yeah so um one of my good friends freddie megan uh who i was in school with um he had or has an older sister and we were going over to to his house to whatever hang out for the day and some of the older sister's friends were over and yeah there was talk of maybe you know this guy kissing this girl and you know the excitement was through the roof and um yeah, I managed to kiss one of her friends who was a couple of years older and oh. very, very exciting at the time. You were the cool guy. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, that is so yeah. funny. I mean, how much older were they? Probably uh, like a year or something. Yeah, only a year. But you know, when you're when you're a bit younger, it feels like a lot more. 
Um, oh, it's like the biggest deal ever. That's yeah. like the excitement is. Oh, insane. just getting getting that first kiss out of the way was a serious weight off my shoulders. Honestly, that <laughs> is what everyone says about this question. They're like, you just want to get it out of the way. Yeah. Like, it's so awkward. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, I probably know the person, but I'm not going to ask you names. No, let's not dig too deep. <laughs> Dublin's just way kids. too yeah. small. <laughs> married with kids now, like, they don't need that being. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Uh, a time you cracked under pressure. Time I cracked under pressure. Oh, there's been loads of time. Getting engaged recently, I suppose. I'll bring that one up. Give Anna a share. Tell me. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. my God. Anna is so sweet. Okay. Tell me the story. Can you? I mean, it's okay if it's like private, but I, I would love No, no, no. It's all good. Yeah. So we, um, we first started going out in 2015. We'd be kind of on and off for a while. And, um, I brought Anna down to the pier and said, look, you know, I'd love to give this a go and, you know, will you go out with me? Um, and she, you know, played a bit of hard to get and, and eventually said yes. Um, so then, obviously, we'd been away in, in France uh, and Bristol um, and I've come back and we're living in, in Belfast. But um, it was about a year ago now where I brought her down to, to Dunleary Pier and we walked it again and got down to the end of the pier and got down on one knee and said, look, you know, do you want to be, not be my girlfriend anymore and be my fiance? <laughs> oh my God. Like, were you, were you just shaking the whole walk down? Oh, I was so, so nervous. It was actually funny the night before, um, I was actually planning on doing it the night before, you know, because, you know, Dunleary Pier is busy enough for the weekend. So I was thinking, look, I'll get down, you know, maybe walk it at like 10 o'clock after dinner. There, there won't be too many people knocking around. And uh, we ended up having a big Barney that night. Um, so <laughs> for for once for once in my life, I knew that I wasn't at fault for the argument because I was obviously planning on proposing. The last thing I would have wanted was an argument that night. So it's not, I swear, <laughs> well, it, it just shows she had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it probably shows as well. Maybe I was like particularly nervous and, you know, maybe wasn't acting myself, which yeah. you know, very much was the case. But um, no, I woke up the next morning and um, I, at, at that stage, I was under a bit of pressure to get it done because I'd rung her, uh, I'd rung her mother and father, the, you know, maybe the, the day or two days before. So they were obviously waiting on the phone, you know, thinking, when's this when's this announcement going to come maybe she said no you know so <laughs> so i i was like right let's you get gotta do it let's get a coffee down to dunleary pier and uh yeah i remember my biggest concern was i stupidly wore shorts that didn't have pockets in them so i had to bring bring the ring in in the box and was stuffed stuffed into my boxers <laughs> oh my god this is things like because I've heard of people like all sorts like they take the ring out of the box and they'll just have it like you know shoved somewhere underneath their yeah. top or something like it's I oh it's so scary yeah it's no, so, I was yeah. so nervous so nervous but uh, I know it was the best feeling in the world when she said yes and I have great memories from the day and has you, your wedding has been rescheduled has it yeah so we plan on getting married this July um but we've pushed back to next july so uh well at least yeah. you know you'll be in the clear next july well please Hopefully, god yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so now nah, all good all good no rush That's so exciting something that always cracks you up it can be like a tv show a film a person anything um something that always cracks me up 
well, one of the things me and Anna do, we love doing like mannerisms that people do. So, you know, anything from like a bad smell or taking the bin out or, you know, and we'll always, you know, um, reenact those and exaggerate those. And, you know, whenever Anna does them, it just cracks me up. It's one of the, one of the great things we have in our relationship and makes us laugh, you know, multiple times every day. It's very so easy. Is she, but... So is she doing like an impersonation of you, like taking out the bins or something? Yeah, exactly. So like after dinner is a great example. Anna does a lot of the cooking, you know, 99% of the cooking. I do the barbecuing, it's about the height of it. But <laughs> off the back of that, I then do the, the, the cleanup, which, you know, Anna a lot of the time will help with. And she'll do an impression of me just faffing around the kitchen, you know, doing, <laughs> ha- doing half a job here, half a job there. She'll, <laughs> she'll show me how bad I am at wiping down. Even last week, actually, she was in the TV room, which is separate to the kitchen, and she shouted in, and she goes, it doesn't sound like you're doing it right. Uh, like, <laughs> what? The, me wiping the counter, it doesn't, it doesn't sound yeah, right. There is no sound. You're just trying to trick me. Oh, my God, that's so, amazing. Yeah, she does, she does a lot of impressions of, I'm a kind of real habitual guy, and she does a lot of impressions, um, and you know compares me to my dad who's another very habitual person but it's it's something that gets you know great laughs especially when I, I can really see myself and her when she's doing the impressions so that's you I know. love that oh you guys are so sweet I love her <laughs> on Instagram too she's just like a, a little ray of sunshine oh, um, I'll pass that on yeah do okay have you ever cracked a bone I mean I was trying to google this I don't I I didn't see that you had. Am I wrong? Yeah, uh, no, I have. I've broke. Um, I've broken a couple of bones. Uh, the nastiest one I had was actually uh, it was on a holiday. Uh, myself and Simon Matthews, one of my friends, we were over in France. We were playing like one on one soccer on the beach, and he played the ball around me. I was like, it was like fifty. It was like ninety nine all first to a hundred. You know, it was. <laughs> It was like World Cup final on the beach in France. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he plays the ball around me. He's a far better soccer player than I am. So I get, you know, get on my bike, start chasing after him. And I managed to clip the back of his, um, of his heel. And my, like my toes split on the back of his heel, like just kind of opened up. And I managed to get like a spiral fracture on my foot. And that was, that was, you know, it's funny that like one of the worst injuries I've had was running around in the beach in France. But that one, um, wasn't ideal like to go around in a boot for I don't know a couple of months um oh. which was just a really niggly injury yeah um but yeah I've broken my collarbone a couple of times um obviously from just tackling and stuff like that but I've been generally very lucky you know I've, I haven't had many injuries and haven't missed many games so long may I continue yes yeah touch wood <laughs> exactly, um yeah. My, I, I feel like my younger brother, he is 16 and he's broken his collarbone twice, which I feel no. like this is way, like in rugby as well. I'm like, you need to calm down. But I feel like he'll be really happy to know that you've also broken your collarbone. He'll be like, yeah. we're like twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a good, like, it usually heals up pretty well. So not yeah. the worst one to break. Okay. Okay, good. Um, okay, so what are you up to at the moment? Tell me what's, you know, what are you focusing on? Obviously, you are still playing rugby, but yeah, fill me in on your current crack. Yeah, so myself and Anna set up um, Feel Free CBD, which is an uh, an Irish online CBD business. So we, we um, I was originally 
told about CBD about kind of two years ago. And um, at the time, it was kind of very new on the market. It had obviously come out in the States. It was filtering into the UK. And one of my friends said to me, here, look, I think you should give this a go. Um, you know, from playing professional rugby, uh, sleep is something that I would have struggled with, you know, with performance anxiety and, um, you know, with the different knocks and bumps I would have taken over the years. I would have relied on taking anti-inflammatories for for the injuries. And in the lead up to games, I would have you know, maybe taken a sleeping tablet here and there to try and, you know, get a good quality night's sleep. And it, the reality is it's not the most sustainable thing to be doing for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years of, of a professional career. So he he had taken CBD and he was taking it both for anxiety and for his sleep and he was getting great improvements of it and he recommended it to me and um, got it checked out, made sure we were allowed to take it and started taking it within, you know, three or four days. I, I was sleeping way better and then within three or four weeks, you know, my inflammation uh, in my injuries had come down because obviously I was recovering better due to the better quality of sleep and I wasn't getting as much performance anxiety in the lead up to games you know, which again, you know, I don't want to keep coming back to the sleep thing, but it was definitely had a, fa- you know, a factor in it. So we then got talking about setting up um, our own business. There wasn't really many brands in, in Ireland that were, were selling CBD. And we, we you know, kind of wanted to spread the word and, and help other people out. And it's, it's mainly, you know, people who struggle with anxiety, with sleep, you know, with inflammation in their bodies, whether it's, you know, arthritis or people who do a lot of gym work. So we set up Feel Free CBD and we've basically built out um, a CBD specific to the daytime and specific to the nighttime. So you ideally kind of, cool. yeah, so you ideally buy them in a pack where you buy the day spray and the night spray, take three sprays of the day in the morning, three sprays of the night in the evening. And, you know, the, the two sprays would last you about a month. And, you know, we've had great feedback and people have, have you know, found that um, it's really helped, helped them in, in a few different areas. Yeah, well, I can tell you that my dad ordered it and he loves it. Oh, great. That's so brilliant. Yeah, because I was going to ask what is, I mean, so is it literally just a spray or like, is it one of those that you put it in your tea or something like that? Or you just like literally directly, uh, I haven't yeah. used it, unfortunately, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I will I'll have, have to send you out some. Yeah. yeah. The, um, <laughs> Yeah, so like there's loads of different CBD products out there. Like there's different, like you know, capsules, chewables. There's you know, uh, jellies. There's CBD for dogs now. There's creams. That um, I do have. I do have that yeah. for my dogs. Yeah. Oh, great! It's very popular with dogs. We're gonna have to look at bringing out, bringing out a range for dogs. Oh my god, do yeah. yeah. People are more, you know, more passionate about spending money on their dogs than their own personal health. That's one thing we've learned. So. Yeah, story of my life. Like. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, ours is, is is a spray. So, like, for example, you can spray it into your coffee, but um, ours is, it's called, it's a CBD isolate. So, it's isolated CBD, um, which without getting too technical, it's it's a CO2 extraction. But it, there's the, the taste and flavor of it is actually quite nice. It's kind of like a honeysuckle flavor. Um, whereas some of the CBDs, for example, like cold pressed, they can taste quite earthy and hempy. So mm-hmm. you can take our product on its own and you're not going to feel like you need to get, you know, get on the mints or get on the mouthwash. Um, and yeah, it's, it, you know, it's quite a simple, quite a simple product. You, you know, it's easy to carry around with you and it's just about reminding yourself when to take it. Okay. I am definitely going to use that. I'm like excited to use it now. Great. Um, 
Okay, so one question. I I don't know if you'll be able to answer this for me, but I'm obsessed with reality TV. So I conclude each week by asking my guest who is their favorite reality TV star. I don't know if you watch reality TV. <laughs> oh, I watch plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been watching some terrible reality TV, but I won't have a bad word said about Below the Deck. That is that is um <laughs> oh it's terrible i'm embarrassed to say i watch it, but i can easily dust off three or four hours watching multiple episodes of that it's it's um it's on amazon prime possibly on netflix as well but it's uh i'm not sure if you've watched it have you i've watched some of it um yeah. it's weird because it's the only bravo show that i haven't <clears throat> literally watched from start to finish but yeah, yeah. isn't there like different ones so there's like below deck like mad and then there's yeah. So which is your fave? <laughs> yeah, so there's, yeah there's, there's like one where they're on a kind of pleasure craft, which is a motor yacht. And then there's another one where they're on like a sailing yacht. But it's basically like just covering the people who work on the boats. Um, and then, the you know, the different people who'd be coming on to rent it for a week. And it's really, it's really basic TV, but it's very easy to watch. You can just switch off. You don't have to concentrate a whole lot. There's always a bit of drama, a bit of love action going on. Um and yeah, Captain Sandy is one of the um, I don't know, one of the captains on it, and she's she's great. I like the way she manages her boat. <laughs> you know, I actually went to um, what is called BravoCon, so it's like Comic Con for like Bravo nerds. Like okay. it's actually like when I tell people about this, it's like insane. It's like I flew to New York <laughs> to meet all these Bravo people, but no. Captain Sandy was there. No uh, way. Yeah, but because oh, I hadn't watched it at the time, so I was like, hey. <laughs> like, I was, like, chasing the housewives. <laughs> but that is a great answer. Um, okay, do you want to add anything before I let you go? I mean, this has been such a nice chat, and you're so brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing all those incredible experiences. Yeah, no, look, it's been an absolute pleasure coming on. I've loved, loved listening to the previous episodes and wish you well with the, with the future ones. Thanks a million. Thank you. This has been great. Ian Madigan, you're a star. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Crack On. I won't keep you long, but I'm here to say the usual. Share, subscribe, give it five stars and come back next week for another episode of Crack On. Crack On.